Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Some of you may have read or heard about an experiment that was conducted in the city of Kansas by the Kansas University. Uh, sorry, by the University of Arizona, I keep saying Kansas, University of Arizona, they built a big complex. It was 3.1 acres under one roof, and it was called Biosphere 2. Inside Biosphere 2, they created an entire ecosystem. They tried to replicate what happens on Earth. So they had rain in there, they had a rainforest, they developed an ocean, they planted trees and vegetables and plants, quite an extensive experiment. And people lived inside this building for two whole years, trying to see how they could kind of improve the whole system, the the ecosystem in the world and how they could protect it and so on. Anyway, in the two years that they ran this thing, it was quite successful, but an amazing thing happened. There were acacia trees growing inside this massive structure. As the acacia trees got larger and larger, they noticed something very strange was happening. They suddenly collapsed on each other. They just cracked in half and fell down. Repeatedly, day after day, these trees collapsed. And so they had a look and they tried to analyze why this particular strange occurrence was happening. And what they discovered is they had replicated everything. They had replicated rain, the, 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 the ocean, and all sorts of things. But the one thing they hadn't replicated inside there was wind. And trees do not grow without wind. They need the resistance of wind so that their wood gets strong and their roots go down. And as a result of that, they realized that they'd left a very important component out of the ecosystem. When I read that, I realized something very important. In our lives, we need adversity or wind or opposition in order to strengthen us. Otherwise, we never become the people God intends us to be. But the problem is when the wind blows and the storms come and the enemy comes and there's adversity, we freak out. And we kind of ask God, what's happening? I don't deserve this. I'm serving you. I've been serving you for years. How could you let this happen? But God says it's part of my plan and it's part of my purpose. And without it, you'll never be the person you're intended to be. I wanna read you a scripture this morning and I'll give you the title of the message in a moment. Very important verse from Matthew chapter five. I I trust that you've drawn down the outline from cyberspace somewhere. You can pull that outline onto your tablet or phone. Did they give you the code? They did? Cool. And uh, Or you can make notes. You can just look at the screen. Uh, In our church, we use an outline. The reason I do that, not saying you need to do it here, the reason we do that is so that the unchurched can walk into our church and everyone can follow. So we have a paper outline, electronic outline, and no one's left out. Every translation of the Bible is on there, and you can follow along. You can be a brand new person, completely not part of the family of God and you can feel included. So that's part of the motive, but trust it'll help you today. But here's this important verse in Matthew chapter five. It says, settle matters quickly with your adversary, very important word, who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way. I want you to know this importance. Every word in scripture is authored by the Holy Ghost and extremely important. Then he says, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison. Settle matters with your adversary or with adversity while you're in the way so that you don't end up in a 
bad place. Can you see the principle? And the context of the verse is actually this. What it's saying is, if you owe someone money, if you're indebted to someone, if there's an issue that you're supposed to settle, don't push that person away. Embrace them. Deal with it. You'll be better off. And I reckon there's a prophetic picture here of when adversity comes into your life. You need to embrace it Not in the sense of, oh, I'm glad I'm in a mess, I'm in trouble, cool. The bigger the mess, the better. No, no, no. You mustn't fight it as though it's a negative. You need to recognize its role. Otherwise, you could end up in a place that's not where God intends you to be. He's got a place for you. And if you agree, the King James says, agree with your adversary, you could end up in an awesome place, strong in God, understanding how adversity works. And I wanna speak to you today on the important subject of the incredible value of adversity. Because adversity brings value into our lives. There can never be great destiny without great adversity. In fact, great adversity leads to great destiny. And you can never get to the place God intends for you unless you go through adversity. But most of us, when we face an enemy or we face adversity, we believe it's of the devil. We believe it's not of God. And we try and fight it or rebuke it instead of realizing, hang on a minute, this could be part of God's plan. Are you with me? Now, Jesus thought very differently to us. And I'm going to give you some things that show the value of adversity. But before we get there, very important for us to understand how Jesus thought. Jesus looked at life very differently to the way we do. When Judas came to him in the garden, the scripture says that Judas kissed him and he was coming to betray him. Jesus allowed him to kiss him. And then he said to him, do what you have to do, friend. Interesting term, friend. Kind of like, oh, well, it's just a word. Then we read in Matthew's gospel, chapter 16, that Peter came to Jesus and Jesus was telling him, I need to go to the cross. I'm gonna suffer, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna be handed over to the chief priests and and then I'll rise again. And Peter said, no, 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 Lord, far be it from you to go through that. And uh, Lord, this, this, this could never happen to you. And Jesus turns around and says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. So he calls Judas friend and lets him kiss him, but he calls Peter Satan. You know why? Because he knew that comfort does not take you to destiny. Adversity does. And if he didn't welcome Judas's kiss, he would never get back at the right hand of the Father at his true destiny. If he stayed alive on earth, as Peter was suggesting, he would have never reached the destiny. He would have just been a good man and a prophet. And we must embrace and understand what adversity does. Don't blame other people. Don't point fingers. Don't become angry. Don't ask, why is this happening to me? The quicker you understand what it's doing in your life and why God allows it, the better you're gonna be and the more you're gonna understand your journey and why what's happening is happening to you. If you accept it, you will come out better. Now, if you're filling in the outline, I think there's a gap in there. It says this. God doesn't create evil, he controls evil. People wonder why there's evil in the world. Habakkuk asked the Lord, how can you allow evil? How can you let this happen? You who can't stand evil. See, so God doesn't create evil, he allows evil. Here's another thing, God never allows terrible pain without a divine purpose. So while the devil is alive, you know, think of it like this. Imagine if you were God, quite hard to imagine, eh? But imagine you're God and you create this angel and he's part of the worship team. That's where problems always occur. <laughs> I've, been, I've been a worship leader for years and a musician, so I'm speaking from experience, not pointing fingers, just now how it works. But 
Here's this worship leader, and he gets into pride, and then he falls into sin. You know, if I were God, I'd be like, let's get rid of this guy. Not let's send him somewhere. Let's be gone. God said, no, no, I'm going to leave the devil. I'm going to use him for my purpose. He's going to be an instrument of my purpose. Everything serves God's purpose. And when you understand that, you realize, oh, wow. So the devil's around, but God actually uses him. God doesn't send him. He just uses him to build wood and strength into us. So let me give you this morning the important things here, the valuable things that adversity does to us. And there's seven of them this morning. You think you can take that down? Are you ready? Number one, the first thing that adversity does in our lives is it brings us to our senses. When we go off track and we get into pride and we get into arrogance and we get into rebellion, which happens to us even as children of God, adversity comes and it speaks to us and brings us back to our senses. In Luke chapter 15, we read the story of the prodigal son. He rejected his father. There was nothing wrong with his father. And he left and he went on a journey of destruction. But guess what? He came to the pigs. And when he was in that terrible place of adversity, those pigs spoke to him even though they never uttered a word. And he came to his senses in a place of toughness. You know, we've got to be careful. When people go through rebellion and hardship, don't go and comfort them. It's the last thing they need. In fact, there are three parables there in Luke 15, the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the lost sheep, and the parable of the lost son. You search for lost coins, you search for lost sheep, but you leave lost sons. They need adversity to bring them to their senses. Be careful you don't oppose the work of God by going after someone and trying to reason, now let them get to the pigs. That rebellion, that negative attitude, that arrogance gets cured. And we come back. And I've seen it so often that adversity comes in the form of circumstances, it comes in the form of people, and it speaks to us, and it's so important. Because you can, I've been there as a Christian, you end up getting weird ideas. And you can be in this church, and you you get annoyed, and and you start thinking your opinion counts, and and I'm leaving, and they just use me, and I just serve you, and I never get thanked, and and we get all that stuff going on. And sometimes you just need a little bit of adversity to teach you some appreciation. Brian Houston said this, and I think it's very important because I've seen this happen to people. Do you know that people make stupid decisions when they become arrogant? They leave their marriages. They leave their churches. They immigrate. They do weird things. I'm out of here. Hey, you need a bit of adversity to bring you to your senses because you're not thinking clearly. Brian Houston said this. He said, when you are offended, ridiculous alternatives start to sound perfectly sensible. You're in a marriage, you get offended, I'm, I'm leaving. How you know, many people have got divorced and later on regretted it bitterly? Yeah. Left a church, left a country, walked out of a job. Now sometimes what we need is a bit of pain and a bit of hardship and some enemies to come to us. We go, hang on a minute, thank you, Lord. The psalmist confirms this in Scripture in Psalm 119. Read with me what the psalmist says here. And this is how God uses adversity. He uses it to toughen us, not to hurt us and to bring us to a place of wisdom. Psalm 119, verse 67, the psalmist says, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. You are good, and what you do is good. In other words, bad things happen to me, but you're good. Can you see that? Teach me your decrees. Now, he talks about the arrogant, but I think he's kind of talking about himself here. He says, though the arrogant have smeared me with lies, I keep your precepts with all my heart. Their hearts are callous and unfeeling, but I delight in your law. Verse 71 is quite key. He says, it was good for me to be afflicted 
so that I might learn your decrees. In other words, adversity, difficulty brings us to our senses so that we can be all God intends us to be. Isn't that a valuable thing? Maybe you're going through a hard time today and something's happening in your life that's terrible. Don't look at it just in the natural. Say say to yourself, what is this speaking to me? What is this saying to my life? Maybe God's saying, hey, come on now, get back on track. Number two, the second thing it does, adversity proves our closest relationships. Relationships are always proven when we go through hardship. You can tell those who really love you. You can tell who is a friend or who is a brother. And when we have adversity, we know who the right people in our lives are. There are lots of people in our lives, but it proves our closest relationships. And we know we can trust, we know who we can build uh, with, we know what we really mean to people when we go through adversity. It's interesting in the book of Job, when Job went through adversity, guess what his wife did? She didn't support him. She showed her true colors, curse God and die. What was in her was being proven. And sometimes when you go, for, go through adversity, you get to know who really should be in your world. Now, I'm not suggesting you get divorced, like Job stayed with his wife, but you get to know who's really meant to be in your world. You start to say, hang on a minute, maybe these people are not quite the people that should be in my world. God's taking me to the next level. And it proves your relationships, it tests them. I love what uh, someone once said. They said, prosperity begets friends, adversity proves them. Isn't that the truth? And so we see the real colors coming out of people when we go through difficulty. And uh, we hear what they say. Do they defend us or do they add to our troubles? Adversity proves our relationships. I love what this says here. A friend is one who knocks before he enters, not after he has left. Just think about that for a moment. A friend knocks before they enter, not after they... Do you have any friends that knock you when you're going through hardship? You find that adversity always proves relationships. And Jesus in Luke 22 says to his disciples, you are those who have stood with me through my trials. I think adversity is so good because it brings us to our senses and it tests and proves our closest relationships. Are you being helped this morning? Number three, the third thing it does is this, is it makes us pray and trust God more intensely. Sometimes we don't pray as we ought to and we don't spend time with God as we ought to, but there's nothing like adversity to get you on your knees, get you leaning on God. We are driven. We realize that sometimes that that we're not as big as we think and we really need to trust Him and it produces a faith and a dependence in us which is incredibly healthy. Paul, even the great, great apostle, when he went through difficulty, he said, you know what? I recognize this is a good thing because it caused me to trust God more. It caused me to depend on God more. It drove me into a place of dependence and I realized this thing was bigger than me and I needed God more in my life. You know, it's so easy when things are going well for us to get onto a track and we're like, yeah, I'm walking with the Lord and I read the word and, you know, and then I don't really need to read because things are going really, I'm in a good place at the moment. But adversity brings you to a place where, man, without God, who would I be? Where would I be? And we really, really need that. 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 8. Paul speaking here, he says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. This is a great man of God saying this. We felt we had received the sentence of death. Anyone in the room feel like that? 
Sometimes things happen, you're like, man, if I had to tell people how I feel, they'd, they'd be shocked. But sometimes you can feel on the inside. But then he goes on to say this. Notice the wording. But this happened that. There's the reason for it. It happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril. Notice that the deadly peril and he will deliver us again. Sometimes deadly peril comes and you go, what's happening? God says, just trust me. This is a shaping agent and you're gonna come out better. You're gonna be closer to me. You're gonna have the right friends in your life and you have the right attitude. Three quick things that deadly peril does to us. Firstly, it causes us to be, it brings us to a place of humility. Instead of self-reliance, we learn God-reliance. And it teaches us who we are without God. And that's a good thing. Second thing it teaches us when we've been through deadly peril and we've trusted God, teaches us empathy. We know how to sympathize and we become real comforters to others. There's nothing worse than a person that you get around a person and, and you tell them, man, I'm going through a hard time and this has happened to me and man, I'm really burdened. And they tell you, well, just praise the Lord, brother. And look to Jesus. You feel like <laughs> strangling him, getting forgiveness later. But when someone's been through it and you're going through it, they do lift you, but there's an empathy. Man, that's terrible. I'm sorry to hear that. Put their arm around you. Man, I know how you feel. I've been there. That's dread. But come, let's pray together. How many of you know that's better than some trite thing that kind of, well, praise the Lord. You feel like slapping people like that. Is it just, you, is it just me or do you? I'm still growing. Help me, Jesus. Thank you for grace, Lord. So humility, empathy, but here's another thing it does. It brings us to a place of teachability. It's so easy to lose your teachability when, you, when you're going strong in God and when you face deadly peril, you depend on Him and these things get produced in your life. I love this verse in Isaiah 30 here because it tells us that we are taught and instructed through these deadly perils and through these hardships. And this verse is often being used for guidance, but actually it's talking about hardship and the subject I'm talking about today. Isaiah 30 in verse 20, it says, although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. Isn't that interesting? With your own eyes, you will see them. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. So in other words, you'll go through hardship and out of it will come lessons. Change rather than brokenness. Adversity is incredibly valuable. Number four, the fourth thing it does. You still with me? Are you being helped? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm being helped. Number four, here's the important thing. When you see trouble coming into your life, and this is a saying I have, trouble cometh exceedingly quicketh. I mean, you know, that's true. And another one I have is the time ticketh exceedingly quicketh, especially when you're preaching. But this is a sign that God is doing something amazing in your life. Number four, it means God is trying to produce something in my life when I have adversity. The minute God tries to produce something in my life, it's a signal, that, sorry, when I have adversity in my life, it's a signal that God is trying to produce something. So I know, hey, there's trouble. Why? God must be trying to do something in me. 
He must be trying to produce something because he always uses his word and he tries to build into my life. And so adversity comes to prevent that. You all know the parable of the sower and how the sower sows the word. We need to be full of the word. In fact, if you cut a Christian, they should bleed the word. Amen. And you'll notice I read a lot of scripture. It's so easy today to just quote scripture and I'm not against quoting scripture, but reading scripture, the Bible says that we need to give attention to the public reading of scripture because people don't read their Bibles enough. And you know what? My opinion doesn't count. The word actually counts. And so even when I visit a church, I feel sometimes under pressure reading so much scripture, but you know what? You can build your life on the word and the word is what grows us and changes us. Now the parable of the sower, and I know you know it well, but I wanna read from Mark 4, verse 14 in the message. It says, the farmer plants the word. Some people are like the seed that falls on the hardened soil of the road. No sooner do they hear the word than Satan snatches away what has been planted in them. How many know the devil wants to oppose what God wants to sow? He goes on to say in verse 17, and some are like the seed that lands in the gravel. When they first hear the word, they respond with great enthusiasm, but there is such shallow soil of character that when the emotions wear off, and here's the key, and some difficulty arises, there is nothing to show for it. Do you know that the minute the word gets sown in your life, even like today, adversity will come to steal it away. And you know why adversity comes immediately when you hear the word? Because the devil knows that if that seed becomes a tree, it'll be harder to remove. But when it's seed, it's still vulnerable. I mean, it's easier to destroy a seed than it is to destroy a tree. And so when you have adversity, you need to know the enemy can see God is wanting to do something in me, so he's coming quickly before it develops. You need to say, praise God. Man, I'm having such a difficult time. God must be doing something amazing in my life. I'm gonna take a stand, I'm not gonna allow this to put me off, and I'm gonna press through it. It's it's the source of destiny. Adversity always comes when there's a great destiny ahead. God is wanting to do something in your life, and today, if you're having a hard time, you say, man, I don't know why this is happening. It could be that God is wanting to do something amazing in your life. I've been in ministry over 30 years, and I can tell you I've had some tough times. I've had my grandson drown at three years old. Tell you, you live through that, especially when you've dedicated that child on the platform. You gotta live through that. You, 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 people talk about faith. Yeah, I stand on the word. I'm the head, not the tail, above and not beneath. I'm there. And, and you know, when that happens to you, there's no trite confessions. You gotta know in who you believe. And you gotta know God's got something bigger for your life. And guess what? When you've been through hardship and you speak to people, they listen differently. I've been held up in my house by five armed gunmen. They tied me up for two and a quarter hours, my wife and my daughter, and they ransacked our house while we lay there. My fingers were like balloons. They tied me up so tight. And the one guy was drunk, kept waving a Colt 45 in my head. Where's the money? Where's the money? Where's the money, white guy? Where's the money? And then they took my daughter out of the room. She was only 14, took her into another room. And I just prayed in tongues. That's the time you don't pray long prayers. Oh Lord, we beseech thee in thy wonderful and glorious, awesome name, thou who reigns. No, no, you don't pray like you're like, Lord Jesus and you pray in tongues, and you just, your faith gets tested. But you know what, I knew that the enemy wanted to stop me from living in Johannesburg. He wanted me to leave the country. He knew if I stayed, we'd buy up six houses around our property. We'd build a 600 car parking garage. We'd go on television in nations of the world, and we'd make a difference in the thinking of people. Whenever God wants to do something, 
Adversity will come to prevent it. And so now when I have adversity, I say, come, come, because I have a God that's greater and he's doing something in my life. And to tell you, we came out of that robbery unscathed. Let me tell you this, just so that you know, some of you don't realize South Africa is a, is a, is a difficult country. We had uh, one of my staff murdered. They came onto the property, killed one of my staff members, beat the other one unconscious and stole every bit of equipment out of the building. All the sound system, everything gone. By Wednesday, we conducted the funeral and by the next weekend, we were up and running again. We didn't miss a beat. Nothing must put you off. Can I say this to you with love because I'm speaking as a, as, as a father, but as a leader, you have it very comfortable here. You're in an awesome church. Don't let little silly stuff put you off. Your adversity is not much. Stay, build a house. If you haven't committed to the, to, to the heart for the house offering, I wanna encourage you, stretch yourself. This is, this is a place worth investing in. This is a good church. I just spent a couple of minutes here and I can tell you this is a good church. They love God, they love people. These leaders are proven. 20 years, uh, this church has been here. You need to get, don't allow anything to put you off. God is wanting to do something greater than you can imagine. This place needs to have five services on a weekend. Come on. There's a whole of a city around you. Why should it be other people doing it? Let me stick to the outline. Are you receiving something? Number five, the fifth thing, the fifth valuable thing that adversity does is it comes to challenge and establish our true identity. Whenever you face adversity, it's trying to challenge who you are because the devil's not interested in what you're doing, he's interested in who you think you are. How many of you know when you step out and open a business or step out and speak on the platform or play in the worship team or, or step into a ministry in children's church, immediately what happens in your heart is that voice, you? Do they know what you're like at home? Hmm? Identity is always challenged. And you've got to know who you are in Christ and you've got to resist the enemy because adversity comes to test who you are, not what you're doing. And exactly the same thing happened with Jesus. When he was the carpenter's son, the enemy didn't come. We don't read anything about the enemy coming to him. But the minute he realized, I'm not just a carpenter's son, I'm the son of God and I'm destined for bigger things, he went to the Jordan and he was baptized of John. You all know the story, I'm quite sure. And as he went into the water and was baptized, he came out, the heavens opened and what did the father say? This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Identity was spoken of him. And the Bible says immediately the spirit drove him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. What does the devil say to him? First thing he says, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread, identity. And the minute God says he's gonna do something awesome with you and he's spoken over you that which is in Christ, not that which is natural, not your natural background, not your weaknesses and failings. We all have weaknesses and failings, but in him we're made complete. And God says, rise up and live in me. Don't live at your level. Don't live with your past making you a prisoner. Stand up in me. And the more you rise up, he comes. If you think you are, you've got to say, I don't care what you're doing. I know who I am and I know in whom I believe. You've got to take a stand because he comes to challenge your destiny and when you get to know who you are in Christ, you get to get a glimpse of your destiny. You get to know what God can do through you and adversity will always come to pull you back. Take a stand in your identity. Don't let anything stop you. Number six, I need to go quickly because I wanna have enough time to finish properly. Number six, 
when you go through adversity, here's the value of it. It indicates an entry into a new season. If you're having trouble in your life, probably what's happening is you're about to enter a very good new season in your life. And the devil doesn't want you to enjoy it. He doesn't want you to step into it. It also indicates a close of an old season. Obviously, if you enter into a new season, it's a close of an old season. Let me give you some examples of this. When Israel left Egypt, how many of you know Moses was leading them into a new season of identity and destiny? Isn't that true? And as he led them out, guess what? Pharaoh accelerated the adversity, made them work harder, made them produce more bricks, held on to them, and made it very difficult. Why? They were about to leave one season and enter into a new one. As Israel goes through the wilderness, God's plan is ultimately not the wilderness, but the promised land, the Amalekites rise up. Why? Because the enemy comes against them. Why? They're about to enter a new season. You see this throughout Scripture. David, when he was about to enter into a new season, he's a shepherd boy. He ends up at the battlefront. Saul didn't say, oh, I like him. Let me employ him. The devil came in the form of Goliath, adversity. And that adversity promoted him into his destiny. If there wasn't a giant, he would never have ended up becoming who he was. He needed that giant to promote him out of one season into the next. And he went from zero to hero. He went from singing to sheep to being sung about by all the maidens in Egypt. Whenever a giant comes into your life, whenever the enemy comes to taunt you and adversity comes, don't freak out and ask why. Say, hey, something's about to break. I'm about to go to a whole nother level in God. You see the same thing. You see the same thing with Joseph. In, fun, in fact, Joseph, very interesting story. He gets a vision of destiny. Then he goes through adversity until he gets to that destiny. He needed adversity to get to the destiny. If you think of when Joseph left his brothers, adversity came to test the dream of his destiny. He then goes into Potiphar's house. Imagine if he became comfortable in Potiphar's house. Man, I like it here. These people are good to me. I'm in charge of everything. And she's got, she fancies me. This is a good place to work. God used her to bring adversity. Why? Because he had a much bigger destiny than him being in charge of a house. He wanted him in charge of a nation. So adversity comes and he ends up in prison. And in prison, he doesn't freak out and complain and confess, I'm not here. I'm coming out in the name of which I declare these doors open. He, he accepts the adversity as part of the plan for destiny. Interesting story, Joseph, because he leaves behind his robe of a spoiled brat. Sometimes you've got to leave behind things before you can enter. He leaves that cloak behind. In Potiphar's house, she grabs his robe off him. He leaves that behind. He ends up in prison and, and Pharaoh calls him. And when Pharaoh calls him, the Bible says he had a change of clothes. You can't get to your destiny in the clothes you're wearing down here. There's some things that adversity will strip off you to get you to your destiny. You're always entering into a new season when you go through adversity. Last one, Jesus. When he's in the garden of Gethsemane, he's facing incredible adversity, incredible pain. Why? Because he'd been up on the Mount of Transfiguration and seen his destiny. He knew he was destined to be at the right hand of the Father, so adversity came to test him. But he persevered through that adversity and ended up in his destiny. Always remember when you're going through hardship, it indicates that you're about to enter a new level. Number seven, the last one, and I trust you've been helped this morning. Have you received something today? The seventh thing that is so valuable about adversity 
is it shows we're going to be greatly used by God. We cannot be the big people we believe we can be if we can only overcome small battles. And God will toughen us up as he prepares to use us. You will always find destiny is accompanied by adversity. Opportunity is always accompanied by adversity. Whenever God opens new doors and new opportunities, you find where it comes in intense pressure. We are building a new building at the moment. We currently have five services and we are in overflow in two other venues in two of those services. And we're building a new building. But I'll tell you, it's not without challenges, massive challenges, because the enemy knows we're about to be greatly used. We're entering a new season. Can you see? And as a result of that, you kind of think, well, why? Maybe God's not in it. No, he's absolutely in it. It's just that he's building strong people. And I love what Paul said here in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 9. He says, a great door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. Almost like a contradiction, eh? But great doors are accompanied by great adversity. Great destiny, great adversity. And if you're facing challenges today, it could be that God is going to use you mightily. As I come to a close, I want to just close uh, this, this section here with a verse from Mark's gospel. And the scripture you know very well. I'll just quote it to you. Jesus takes the disciples in a boat and they're about to go across the lake and do something amazing in a man's life, a demoniac. They're about to release him from, uh, from terrible oppression. And as they travel across the lake, the scripture says, I think in the NIV, that a furious squall arose. A storm of adversity, why? because they were about to be greatly used by God. And as they were about to be greatly used by God, guess what? Adversity comes. I wanna tell you today, if you're having storms in your life, could be that you're on the brink of being used like you've never been used before. Maybe God's about to select you and use you and raise you up to do something profound. You can't see that. You can only see the journey and your, and your question like the disciples, don't you care? He cares, but he allows it so that you can stand up and say, I know why this is happening. I'm not letting this put me off. I'm gonna go all the way through and I'm gonna let God use me. There is incredible value in adversity today. Can you say amen? And God will not prevent adversity. He will not keep you from it because it's, it's his means for growing your life. If you've got an outline there, there might be a thing in there that you need to fill in. It says, my destiny will often be accompanied by adversity, but I will not allow my spirit to be overcome by it. King David, he said he went through adversity in 1 Kings, he says, as the Lord lives who has redeemed my soul out of every adversity. You can't stop what happens to your body, but you can prevent your spirit and your soul from being destroyed and you can come out strong and you can be the person God intends you to be in Jesus' name. Can you say, Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 